Breaking Down Wisconsin Basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Well, Wisconsin season, regular season, didn't end at a high note losing to Nebraska. They then they go losing Michigan State in the Big Ten tournament. Doesn't matter. They are still playing in Milwaukee. They are a three seed in the NCAA tournament. They will face 14th seeded Colgate on Friday in Milwaukee at Pfizer Forum with a potential uh, second round matchup against either Iowa State or LSU. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll also talk about what happened uh, against Michigan State. Certainly, uh, perhaps a little bit concerning. Uh, we'll get into that uh, as well. And then look ahead just to the tournament in general, maybe give some picks uh, as we uh, get ready for the best weekend on the calendar, Jesse. It's up there. This, this first weekend of the NCAA tournament, one of my favorite times of the year. Used to like it a lot more before we started covering it, because then you could just sit at the bar all day and drink, but still an awesome time. Well, you posed that as a question. Uh, it's an exclamation point to me. This is by <laughs> far the best weekend on the sports schedule. Yeah, it's a lot different when we cover the event because you miss most of the games. I'm busy in the media workroom staring at a, a Word document, um, but still, it's fun to be a part of it. It's fun to see all the other teams, and there's there's nothing better in sports as far as I'm concerned. So let's let's get to it. There's not because we, la- I mean, the last two years, no tournament in 2020 and no tournament uh, open to, I mean, it was open to media, but it wasn't, you know, I didn't go. So it didn't actually, uh, it's been two years since had a chance to, or three years, I should say, I should say had a chance to, to watch some NCAA tournament action in person. And we'll get to do that on Friday at Pfizer Forum. Do we want to touch on that game first, or do we want to go into Michigan State and uh, try and decide whether there should be any concerns coming out of that one? I think we'll, we'll, I think we'll start there, because it, uh, and we'll yeah. get into Colgate. We know uh, we learned a lot about the Raiders here in the last 16 hours or so, and we'll get into that and, and talk about that a little bit. But the Michigan State game, where is your level of concern coming out of that? It's the first back-to-back losses Wisconsin's had all year. Johnny Davis, three for 19. Uh, Wisconsin could not get stops inside in the second half. It was uh, it was a little concerning. I'm just wondering where your your concern level is on a maybe on a scale of one to ten coming out of that. I don't want to overreact, but it's six and a half. I'll say it's med- okay. it's medium to high, um, mostly because not a great time to lose consecutive games for the first time all season. I completely understand what happened in the Nebraska home game. It was an emotional letdown. They lost Johnny Davis. Um, and just kind of fell apart down the stretch. Nebraska had nothing to lose, and Wisconsin had already earned to share the Big Ten regular season title. The, the, the Big Ten tournament, it's, it's tough because Tom Izzo, cliche, <laughs> death taxes Tom Izzo in March. Michigan State is going to play pretty good basketball, but for Johnny to go three for 19 from the field and obviously he was healthy enough to play but was dealing with an ankle issue, it just makes you wonder – the team didn't shoot particularly well, just didn't play good offensive basketball and, and, until later in the game to give themselves a, a chance there. But it, is that going to carry over? You, you do that for a half at, at this time of year and, and you're in big, big trouble. Now, I do think this is the type of team, and obviously we haven't made any picks yet, but would not be surprised if Wisconsin winds up in the final four. Just they've got that potential. They've got the best player on the floor, but he's got to play like that. Um, I guess the good news, if you're a Badgers fan, is that Johnny has had more great games than he has games like he did against Michigan State. But it's been a little bit tough sledding here for him down the stretch. And I think overall, 
those that combination of factors is gives me a little bit cause for concern coupled with the opponent that they're playing, which has potential to score an upset. Yeah. The Michigan state game, I thought there was a lot of frustration that yes. set in. So we got to, it's been a long time since, uh, actually sat that close to a game actually got to, you know, this is not bragging. I'm just trying to set the scene here, being up close and being this close to, to the game, got to sit with the media row was the first row across from the benches. So we got to sit and, and see things up close and maybe this has been the way uh, he's been his entire career, but I've never seen Brad Davison more frustrated, uh, yeah. especially with the officiating. Yeah. Um, like just staring down DJ Carsonson. Like it was, I, I'm surprised he didn't get teed up like that. That's how intense he was. And Johnny Davis not getting the foul calls that perhaps some think he should have. I asked Chucky afterwards because Chucky Hepburn said there were a bunch of calls that they should have gotten that Johnny should have gotten that he didn't. And I asked if he was frustrated and he said, no, but I, I, I have to imagine he was. So there, there was some frustration that was setting in there. I do think it's probably, and I know maybe this is a bit of a cliche, but it's going to be a good thing to get out of the big 10. And I'm not saying that they're not going to see refs that have officiated their games, but it's going to be good to get out of the big 10 and, and where teams know you and teams can get after certain guys. And they, and guy, they've gotten after Johnny Davis really, really pretty much all year in big 10 play. And he's been able to overcome it a number of times. But Michigan State, it just felt was always right there in front of him. He didn't. He got a couple of good looks, but there weren't a ton of great looks for him uh, shooting the ball wise. Yeah, they played great defense, and obviously that was the focal point of Michigan State's defensive game plan, and rightfully so. They put multiple guys on him, and Johnny went one for ten in the first half. He missed what did he miss? His first seven shots from the field, um, and a lot of them, as you said, were very difficult looks fading away from the basket, which he's hit, but then there were multiple guys on him. And when he went to the basket, Michigan State had rim protectors, protectors, and you can debate how much contact you felt like there was, but he wasn't getting those calls. And I can understand why there would be frustration, particularly for a guy who's the Big Ten player of the year. You think, well, has he earned the right to, to get some of those calls? I, I don't disagree with you at all about seeing some other teams. As we know every year, how big of a grind the, the Big Ten is. But those teams play each other multiple times a year. They've got expert scouting reports. And then I think it'll be good for Wisconsin to, to get a little distance from that. They've got a, a full week from when they lost in the Big Ten tournament quarterfinal to playing their opening round game. As for Brad, I, I, I agree with you in the sense that he was extremely animated on the floor. We know and have talked about for his five seasons how emotional he is, how fiery, how passionate. At the end of the game... The, I think it was the fifth foul in particular that just he exploded when he, he went over to the bench and was screaming in Joe Krabinoff's ear, probably explaining to him why he didn't foul. And, and I completely agree with him. I, I don't know if you saw that as well, but the referees were anticipating a foul in the waning seconds of the game to send Michigan State to the free throw line. And Brad was trying to put pressure in the backcourt on the guard. And they called a foul before he even got over there. And, and maybe I missed something, but it looked to me as though he didn't even touch the guy. And, and that fouled Brad out of the game. And I think he was upset about a previous foul in a similar circumstance. Um, and Brad had obviously played better than anybody else on the team. He had 23 points. He'd made three three-pointers. And then he was gone. And so I think, yeah, it was that they weren't playing well. It was that he felt like the referees weren't officiating <laughs> properly. And I can't say I necessarily disagree with him. The thing was, they didn't even engage with him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. when he would, and maybe it's just because they're tired of, 
like the like uh, many in the crowd were, and and pretty much all the visiting crowds he goes and sees, tired of seeing him. That's certainly a possibility, um, <laughs> and, and they just that's just how it is. But this is probably not worth even uh, bringing up because they lost the game, and it wasn't the reason they lost the game. But I thought the officiating both ways was, was very shoddy, very very shoddy. And, you thought uh, Marcus Bingham, uh, you didn't think he ran over to Lucas Oil Stadium and back on his way to dunking the basketball there? <laughs> that's just obscene. That's that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Horrendous. And uh, um, I don't know how you missed that. I, I don't know how you missed that. And it was a look, it was a very important part of the game. Wisconsin had just gone up four. You call it. Look, they didn't get back on defense. That's their that's their fault. They, they deserve to they deserve to be. Uh, taken advantage of in that situation, but only if it's it's legal. And they didn't. That wasn't legal. I mean, the, the, the steps that he took, in, it, it just wasn't. And for it not to be called, instead of Wisconsin up four with the ball, potentially be able to go up six and maybe put a little more pressure on Michigan State, it goes the other way. And Michigan State claws back, you know, gets back and and then goes on a run of its own. Uh, it was a horrible. It was a horrible call. And then the and then Johnny Davis as well. Uh, while he wasn't getting calls on one end there were some questionable calls at the other that really took him out. It felt like he was, it, it felt like he was getting into a little bit of rhythm early in the second half. I mean, he had uh, a couple of baskets. He had just gone, drove through for two, and then he picks up a cheap third foul. I, very cheap. I think uh, third foul and ends up having to go to the bench, comes back in later on and ends up picking up a fourth foul. It sends him uh, also back to the bench. Like there were not having him on the floor three for 19, notwithstanding, is not advantageous to Wisconsin. And so I thought the officiating was really shoddy. And, and look, there were calls that didn't, uh, weren't made against Wisconsin too. That probably should have been, but they treat Johnny Davis. And I said, I tweeted this and probably, probably could have done without it, but tweeted it. I mean, he's the big 10 player of the year and they treat him like he's a freshman walk-on in terms of ways that he is treated by the officials a lot of the time. Now he has gone to the free throw line a bunch this year, but he deserves probably even more free throw attempts than he's getting at this point. Yeah, my I, I would pose a question to you on how many of the drives that he made, if you really looked at it, did you think should have been called a foul where they ruled it a clean block or or obviously no I'd foul? Have to, I'd have to go back and look through it. This is all in the moment watching it. Like I, I didn't write down, this should have been a foul, this should have been a foul, this should have <laughs> been a foul. So I'd have to go back and look. But I guess I'm not just talking about the Michigan State game. I think it's a, a accumulation of information, as Adam Schefter would say, uh, <laughs> that this is something that has occurred throughout the year. Like this isn't just a Michigan state thing. He gets beat up as much as any, any look when you're going inside and you're exactly. going and, and you're going to face bigger guys inside, they're going to, you're going to get hit. But I think it's also worthwhile noting that when he does go inside and does get hit probably deserves, uh, I think he deserves probably a few more calls than he gets considering his stature. And I know that people are like, Everyone should be treated the same, but I don't think they should be. I don't like when, when uh, you have a talent like that, that is going in and putting his body on the line and, and driving. If there's contact there, it needs to be called more often than not. I think that's a reasonable take. I, you know, in the Michigan state game, as I was watching it, I, I'm to me, I felt like a lot of those were clean, um, even though he was getting tossed to the ground a bit, but I, I, it's a tough spot to be in because a big part of his game is driving to the basket and he has gotten a lot of calls, but when you drive that much, there are going to be some that go against you on the other side, defensively, 
<laughs> he should have been able to play more. Like that third foul that you're talking about, he had just gotten a lefty layup. I mean, he was three for 15 for the game from the field at that time. But then he picks up that foul and you could see his reaction. He didn't want to come out of the game. And it was almost like he was trying to plead from where he was when he got the foul and was just, you could kind of see when somebody sags because they have to come out of the game. Nobody wants to come out. Um, and that hurt. And, and the same with the fourth foul. And I don't know. I don't know whether it'll be different uh, in the NCAA tournament, but I, I think it, I think it will be. And look, you don't want to see stars get taken out of the game. Um unnecessarily. And so I, I hope he'll get that opportunity, but I, it, there's certainly understandable why this has been a debate because of what he's been able to accomplish this year. I think it's also worthwhile to note that he, he and we mentioned earlier was, is dinged up and it's not just yeah. obviously the ankle. It's the, the heel that he hurt before Purdue that I don't think is, is fully healthy. Um, I, I, I think it's a bit of an excuse to just blame that, blame his performance strictly on that. He just didn't have the game that, We've come to expect of him, and I know that his his dad was not happy about some of the criticism he took on t- social media, and he went after some people on social media saying so- something to the effect of people getting upset with Johnny because he's not meeting their expectations. And I, I don't, I mean, I don't think Johnny's met his own expectations, right? Like in the way that he played. Would you agree with that? Like I, I think he's got high expectations for himself. He just didn't. He didn't play the, his best game. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is. This is a guy who understood what his role was going to be coming into the season, that he, he needed to be the one that carried this team to get to this point. And we've seen him at his best. And, you know, I think he's in the midst of what's largely been a difficult stretch, too. And I think that's kind of compounded it. You've got the injuries. You've got games where he's, you know, three for nine from the field against Minnesota, six for 19 against Rutgers. And obviously the three for 19 performance against Michigan State. That's all in the last five games. Um but of course he expects more of himself. He's the, he's the conference player of the year. He's a potential NBA lottery pick. So I, I he'll, he knows he can do better. And I mean, I, I think he's going to come out and have a, a really strong performance in the tournament. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's convenient to say, well, he's injured and, and uh, that's why he wasn't at his best, but to have a week, a week off, or at least an extra few days, I think is going to make a world of difference. And he will, I mean, they, Losing on Friday does give, did give them a few more days to rest. Uh, he under he said on Sunday after the uh, announcement of the bracket that you know he's he's feeling fine. Uh, he's going to get in the gym, get in the rehab, and 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 attack it and and be as you know as healthy as he possibly can for this weekend. But without him, you know, you mentioned them going to the Final Four as a potential potential Final mm-hmm. Four team. Sure, they can't do that if he's not Johnny Davis All American. Yeah, I mean, I think that's obvious, right? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I needed to say that or not, but I just just to clarify your stance, like if he's three for 19, they're not they may not make it out of the first round. Yeah, I, that that goes without saying. I, I feel like they're and it's not exactly the same because the Big Ten isn't the same as like I, I think of the Steph Curry type performance that you've got where you've, you've got somebody that just can't be stopped. Um like if that Johnny shows up and we've seen him in several games like that this year, then this is a final four team. Cause you've got pieces around him that make it difficult for teams to, I think, single out Johnny, especially if he's playing well. I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, I agree. Uh, it wasn't all bad against Michigan state. Uh, oh, uh, one more bad thing before we get into the, <laughs> the, the, the good thing. Uh, Tyler wall needs more touches. 
Tyler Wall needs more than than uh, four shots, uh, right. especially when you're struggling the way that uh, that Johnny was struggling. They needed to touch the post more, I think, um, and get the ball to Tyler. And, and, and there was, you know, they were doubling. I get that, but uh, they need he needs the ball more uh, when you're struggling the way that they were offensively, especially in the first half. Now they, I mean, they scored 41 points, I think, in the second. So it's not like it's they were horrible offensively in the second, but. He needs more touches, I think, especially in those situations. Yeah, because of the number of ways he can score down low. Um, I don't disagree with you at all. He's their third leading scorer. Third leading scorer needs more than four shots from the field. Yeah. All right. Uh, good things to come out of uh, uh, out of that game. Second half shooting from three, right? Seven for 17. Take that all day long. Uh, Brad Davison and Chucky, I think, combined to go six to 10 in the second half from three. Uh, a good sign considering where they are three point wise for the year. Uh, and, and some of those were just were huge shots, especially Chucky hit a couple of those uh, one to tie the game, one to get them within two. Um, he probably could have done without the one, uh, I think a little bit of a heat check with about a minute 30 left uh, when it was still uh, a one possession game, I think, but overall maybe a good sign uh, Chucky bouncing back from, uh, you know, the, the, the miss against Nebraska and, and Brad continue to throw up shots and shots and shots. <laughs> yeah. If you're looking for an encouraging sign out of that game, that would be it. And uh, I certainly think they're going to need some of that against Colgate. I don't know when you want to get into that matchup, yeah. but uh, boy, this is really intriguing. Yeah, no, let's, let's get into it. Wisconsin will uh, open the NCAA tournament on Friday night. 8.50. I believe it's the second to last tip-off of the uh, the first round. I know you're pumped about that. Uh, <laughs> hey, at least I'm not on a newspaper deadline. Unfortunately, it means I'll file my story at like 2 or 3 a.m. Not that anyone cares. And it'll probably be closer to 9 because they've got to wait until the first game, the LSU-Iowa State game, is over with. But people are going to be, uh, shall we say, well lubricated yeah, for I think that gonna, game? Yeah, I think, it's gonna be a hell, I think it's going to be a hell of a day in, in Milwaukee. Uh, at the Deer District and uh, around Pfizer Forum. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a day. It is going to be a day. Now, the last time they played there was in 2014. And I think we both have, I don't want to call them fond memories because I don't really care that they won, but just the environment there was remarkable and awesome. And I am I'm looking forward to seeing what it's going to be like, not just Friday night, but potentially on Sunday, whether it's LSU or Iowa State, it's going to be amazing. This is what Wisconsin, I think what all fans were thinking about. We've been talking about it since like December when they started playing really well in January. Like, oh, could they get to Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Milwaukee? And uh, because of what happened eight years ago, how special it could be. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing what it is. That was one of the most incredible, if you can call it a neutral site <laughs> venue, and obviously it wasn't a highly partisan Wisconsin crowd, but that was one of the most amazing neutral site, I'll use that word, uh, experiences that I've, I've ever seen. Uh, the crowd was into it. That The second round game against Oregon, the Ducks were threatening to win that game, and then Wisconsin wound up pulling it out. Ben Brust did some clutch threes, and it was just a madhouse. It was so cool just to be in the building for that and to see the way the players fed off that energy. And there's, there's no question when, as soon as we knew two things this season, that there was uh, going to be a, a region in the NCAA tournament that was held in Milwaukee and that Wisconsin was good enough to potentially get there. We've been talking about this for months. And when the bracket reveal show came on and CBS was going through the Midwest 
And it got to the, you, you could see there was like the 611 and the 314 and it said Milwaukee. I was waiting for them to fill the, the empty space in the three. I was like, this has to be it. This is absolutely Wisconsin. They had earned this right, uh, despite the fact the Badgers lost the last two games. And I think it's going to make a big time difference because the fans have been waiting for this for months and, and Wisconsin's earned it. The announcement was amazing at Union South. It was <laughs> the drama was amazing. So they had the watch party at Union South. They had the team up on a stage. They had this big screen. They had screens around the uh, around Union South, around the um, room that we were in at, at Union South. And so they announced the first two regions, and then they go to commercial. And it, when they go to commercial, instead of just leaving the commercials up on the screen, the people that were running the board uh, would put back up this this blank, you know, Big Ten Championship screen, and there would be music playing. The band would play, and when they tried to come back to, from break to, for the Midwest region, uh, the sound wasn't working. Uh, this, so, I mean, the picture was working, but the sound wasn't working. And so the guy who's, who's doing this was, was messing with the board and, and trying to figure it out, and he couldn't figure it out. And so I think he tried to restart it, and that dumped, and that dumped the screen. And so there's no screen as they're, as they're releasing the Midwest. And so they went through the Midwest, the top of the bracket first, right? Yeah. And uh, so... You know, we can't really see what's going on there. And then all of a sudden the screen pops back up and now they're in the, the second half of the region and they, they go the, the do the um, 611 game. I think it was the 611 game above Wisconsin and you get that. And then it goes blank. The screen goes blank. There's no sound. The screen goes blank and everyone's like, oh, my God, what? Because everyone like you were expecting that was going to be it. And the screen goes blank and it's five seconds, six seconds, seven, eight. And all of a sudden it pops back up with the sound of Greg Gumbel talking and it's Wisconsin in the three seed. Brad Davison goes crazy. The place goes crazy. Johnny Davis and Chucky Hepburn don't move a muscle. It was, it was awesome. It was, it was great drama. I actually think I kind of like that better than just the normal if the screen hadn't gone off because it was, uh, it added a little bit of a drama to what is already a drama filled day. But I know this, uh, the bracket itself probably couldn't have played out better for Wisconsin. There are certainly challenges, uh, starting with Colgate, and we'll talk about them in a second. But you look at the bracket overall, Jesse, in the Midwest, you could potentially play. I mean, if, if you if you get by Colgate, right, you get to play either an LSU team that just lost their head coach and an assistant, or you get to play an Iowa State team that was sub five hundred. I think they were seven eleven in Big Twelve play, and uh, have talent. And you know, T.J. Osselberger is a uh, a familiar name for people in Wisconsin, but that's that, that's not a horrible matchup either in the in the second round. And if you win those, you get to go to Chicago to right. you know potentially play Auburn in the in the Sweet Sixteen, and then it's either Kansas or potentially Iowa knocks off Kansas, and you're playing Iowa at the, at the United Center for a trip to the Final Four. Like there, there's a lot of uh, and the bracket's never going to stay. What it's never going to go chalk. I don't. I, I doubt it goes chalk. There's probably a, a plenty of opportunity for chaos within the Midwest region, but I think it works out almost as well as you could possibly hope in the Midwest region, Milwaukee, Chicago. Yeah. If, if Wisconsin is, I, I think the Colgate game will be the toughest one of the first weekend for Wisconsin, assuming the Badgers have a second game. I think if Wisconsin can get out of that one, then they're going to the sweet 16. Um, and there are some other regions where you look and it's like, the one, the two, the three, the four, the five, they're all conference champions and, and like really good teams. And it feels like it's a group of death as, 
uh, you know, sometimes it's described and I don't feel that way about Wisconsin's bracket. Now, Kansas and Auburn, uh, tremendous challenges should Wisconsin have that opportunity. And, and for as much as it, it's nice for Wisconsin to, to be playing in Chicago, it'll be just as big, if not bigger for Kansas to be in Chicago, but that's looking far, far ahead. I, I do think that, uh, this is set up perfectly for the Badgers to get to play in your home state, um, and have that second round matchup be what it could be. This is as good as it gets. And the other thing is, as I said before about Wisconsin, just playing in Milwaukee, like the Badgers earned this opportunity, despite what happened late in the season, they were as good as anybody in close games. They to finish first in the big 10 to, to earn a share in a conference that difficult. Um, this is where they should be. And Johnny Davis said as much afterwards, he was, you know, they were, he goes, we deserve this. We, you know, been busting our butts since way back in last summer and what we've done this year, we deserve this. And they're looking forward to having the home fans there. It doesn't guarantee anything, right? We saw that in 2004 when they uh, were a six seed and got to play at the, at the Bradley center and they won their first game, but then lost a pit, a really good Pittsburgh team. That was probably, uh, probably shouldn't have to have played Wisconsin. Wisconsin probably shouldn't have had to play Pitt. They were underseeded as a six. Wisconsin was, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. Uh, certainly, the Oregon game they have said countless times without the crowd. Maybe they probably don't make that comeback. The crowd plays a role, it, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. So it's awesome that they're there. But they actually still have to play well, and that's certainly the case in this opener against Colgate, who has won 15 straight games. They are the second best three-point shooting team in the country, and they're going to provide... I mean, they got three guys within their rotation that are shooting better than 40% from three. They're not a big team. Uh, they're not playing as fast as they did last year uh, when I think they had... when their tempo was uh, among the highest in the nation, but they're going to provide a stiff test defensively for Wisconsin. Colgate's defense, not great, and they're not a very big team. If you're going to pick a school... If you're going to, I should say, if you're going to pick a team, Jesse, that you have to face in the first round, if you're a Wisconsin, I think you pick a team like Colgate as opposed to a team that has a, a presence inside yeah. that could beat you inside. And Colgate does not have that necessarily. They are a three-point shooting team, and that's that's what they do. It's a 14. They gave Arkansas all they could handle last year before uh, fading late. They gave Tennessee all they could handle two years prior to that. Of all the teams you could play as a 14. I think Colgate is, is probably the best 14 seed, but it's also matchup wise, probably a good one for Wisconsin. Yeah, totally agree with you about if, if their strength was they had two seven one guys who were first team all conference that could give Wisconsin some problems because there's not a lot of big man depth. Obviously, they've got Stephen Crowell and Chris Vote. Um, but if one of those gets in foul trouble and Wisconsin can attack the interior, that can be a problem to me, though, it's. It's the stats that jump out to you. The thing that scares you the most is how good this team is at three-point shooting because that is what gets a team like Colgate to, to score one of the biggest upsets of the tournament. They shoot 40.3% as a team from three. They have five players who've made at least 47 threes, and the guy who's hit 47 of them, Oliver Lynch Daniels, he's shooting 54% from three, and he hasn't shot enough to qualify, but if he did, he'd lead the country in three-point percentage. And they also have five guys who average double figures in scoring. So they're very balanced. So it's not like you can focus just on one guy. And I think it's the type of situation where if someone gets hot, other guys can feed off that. And, and let's say Wisconsin has a slow start and we've seen stretches where things don't go the way they want. You know, they obviously have done really well playing in close games, the last two notwithstanding, but it's a situation where Colgate could, could potentially build some early confidence if they make some threes. But other than that, 
Wisconsin plays very well defensively, if they challenge those shots, then I think Wisconsin gets out of this. But it's just the fact that they're so that Colgate is such a good three point shooting team and has such a, a variety of players that can hurt you out there. That makes you go, ah, you know, is this one of those games that you look back on and say it was one of the upsets of the tournament? Yeah, should, I don't think it's going to happen, but it could. Yeah, should should have seen that coming, type of thing. I think I, I would not be surprised if it's a popular upset pick. Uh, yeah, I, I believe Wisconsin's only a last I looked seven and a half. Was it? So it's going down. I mean, I think it opened at either eight or nine, which I believe is the the smallest margin of any of the uh, three fourteen games. I, that probably shouldn't be surprising. Wisconsin hasn't blown teams out, even the non conference games against teams that weren't that great. We, we saw them play close games. It's one of the reasons their net ranking and some of the metrics are where they were is because of those close games. But what scares you the most about Colgate? It's the three-point shooting, right? Oh, without a doubt. They do yeah. have one big guy, Keegan Records. He's 6'10", and he leads the team in rebounds and blocks. And But I, I that's not where, where I would say on the scattering report, not the number one thing you've got to stop. And we talk, we've, so we talk about their offense, right? How good their offense is. And it's a, it's a talented offense. It's, they're not necessarily at the same level they were a year ago. I think they were second in the country in scoring last year. They're not that this year, but I think they're being a little bit more deliberate. Against Arkansas last year, they were up 14 in the first half. They mm-hmm. got up 14 on, and that was a 314 matchup as well. They held a lead as late as the, the 10 minute mark of the second half, ended up losing by 18. But, a lot of the guys who were in that game are back. They're not. I don't think they're going to be phased by anything, even even if it is at Wisconsin, right? Even if it is at uh, what is going to be a home arena, I don't think they're going to be phased by it, right? No, not at all. That's another aspect of of what makes a team capable of of scoring an upset. I'm not trying to put the fear of God in people listening, but it's just a veteran team that has been in this experience before that has played major conference teams in one. I mean, you know, it's not like Colgate beat Duke or something, but they did beat Syracuse earlier, 185. They lost by three points to North Carolina State and Pittsburgh. So they've been in close games this season. They've got guys who have done everything you could at this level, and they're used to winning. That's the other thing. They went 16-2 and in the Patriot League. Um, And so there's something to be said for for consistency because not only have they been in the NCAA tournament for, for two straight years, but this is the third time in four years under their head coach. So, you know, I think that that means something this time, this time of year. I also think it's worth uh, noting that they uh, had won 13 straight coming into last year's tournament. So they have, they, and they, I think they only ended up playing like 16 games last year because of, because of COVID 16 or 17 games because of COVID last year, but they had won 13 straight coming in. They started this season four and 10 before uh, catching fire. So, they didn't necessarily play great in the non-conference, and I, I certainly don't think losses to to Pittsburgh or NC State are, are anything good to write home about, right? Those neither one of those teams was any good, and, and Syracuse also not in the tournament. But you're right; uh, they had they have shown the ability to not just be uh, stay with Power Five teams, but they could beat them. And right. uh, I think the Tennessee game three years ago was uh, 77-70. Uh, in the tournament, so they, they it's not like they have they're they're going to be overwhelmed by Wisconsin by any stretch. Uh, a couple of numbers for you though, as as three seeds versus fourteen seeds go, uh, three seeds one hundred and twenty five and twenty three all time in tournament history. Most recent loss coming last year, Abilene Christian upended uh, Texas. 
Badgers, though, 8-0 all-time against teams seated 13 or lower. Good stats. Yeah. So, again, Wisconsin, if they get by Colgate, it'll either be LSU or Iowa State on Sunday for a trip to the Sweet 16 in Chicago. All right. Uh, I want you to look at the Midwest region, and I want you to predict these games for me, Jesse. I want to I get your who's coming out of the Midwest region for you. Well, so we so, had to make – go ahead. Uh, and before we get into this – uh, no bias here. All right. No, <laughs> uh, we don't need yeah. to take off those rock chalk glasses of yours and give us, uh, some, some, uh, unbiased opinion on what you're thinking is going to happen in the Midwest. We had to make picks Sunday night after the bracket came out for the athletic, uh, our final four picks and, and who we thought would, would win it all. And I, I sort of purposely <laughs> went against probably what, fan me would have done as a kid or something. I, I, <laughs> I thought about picking Wisconsin. I thought about picking Kansas. Uh, and I went with Auburn. Um, I just think they've got a really good team. Um, and they've made, they, they've obviously had success under Bruce Pearl. So that I, I picked Auburn coming out of it. But like I said, at the top, I wouldn't be surprised if, Wisconsin winds up going to the final four because they've got the ingredients that you need. But since I can't pick multiple teams, I'm going Auburn. So you're going with Auburn despite, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think that they were necessarily playing. Uh, I mean, they best. lost their first SEC tournament game to Texas A&M, which is not yeah. ideal. Right. Um, yeah. They, it's a good team, right? And they have, you would say probably the best player in the region with Jabari Smith or no, or, or maybe, maybe you like one of the Kansas guys, or maybe, or maybe you think Johnny Davis is the best player in the region. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I, I really like Ochai Baji, the, the kid at Kansas who's yep. an all American. Um, I mean, it's probably between those three with Davis and Agbaji. Um. And Smith, but I, I don't know. Uh, I had to pick a team and didn't. <laughs> maybe I went so far against potential homerism that I picked the guy, the team in the middle. Yeah, I think if uh, if you were to look at Auburn down the stretch, I think they went three and three in their last six. So yeah, not, not great. What you say? Not yeah, not necessarily not playing. Great. Yeah, but again, those losses were to a Tennessee team that ended up winning the SEC tournament. Uh, a Florida team that was not very good, but also a Texas A&M team that, that caught fire and almost made it all the way to the NCAA tournament. And obviously on the outside, looking in at the end, uh, couldn't finish off and beat Tennessee in the, in the final yesterday. So I don't, I, I don't know if you put a, t- a ton of stock in there. I would probably say Kansas has played the best out of any of these teams. That's why they're a one seed, obviously. Yep. But Iowa, man, the way that they are, <laughs> the way that they've played, they they feel and again it's they didn't have as nearly as good of a start to the season as as this team I'm about to compare them to but they finished the season on a on a tear and that would probably I, I would say the 2014 Wisconsin team that I think won ten of their last eleven games before losing at you know Nebraska uh, in the, on the final day of the regular season and then winning the Big Ten tournament gave Michigan State all they could handle in the semifinals and then obviously went on the run they did in the Final Four uh, I mean you could make the argument that Iowa and not just I mean, it's, it's obvious after winning the Big Ten tournament, but I think they're playing the best of any of the Big Ten teams right now. 
Yeah, there's no question about it. And it's, it's really hard to figure out this time of year because you can say, oh, this team got hot in their conference tournament. They're going to make a big run. And sometimes it happens. And sometimes they just totally flame out because they're completely out of gas. But there's no question that Iowa is playing the best out of any Big Ten team. The Hawkeyes opened Big Ten play four and six. And they got hot down the stretch. They closed eight and two in the regular season, won four games in four days, obviously, as the five seed. The game that, and yeah, it's Northwestern. Wildcats aren't very good. But what Iowa did in that game was like, made your jaw hit the floor. They, they, they set tournament records, the Big Ten tournament records for points scored with 112, made three-pointers with 19, made field goals with 43. And I can't say it any better than Northwestern coach Chris Collins did afterward. He said, I don't know how any be- anybody beats them if they play like that. Now, I was going to play far better teams in the tournament than Northwestern, but they can score with any team in the country. And as we were talking about, and I think it's, it, it's a disservice to Keegan Murray to not include him in the conversation about the best players in the region, right? He's, he's yeah. 23.6 points per game. He's fourth in the country. And you talk, you want to talk about guys who are hot. He just scored 103 points in the big 10 tournament, which broke the previous tournament record of 92 points. So He's playing as well as anybody as well. I, I, I certainly can see that. I don't know how long Iowa can carry this forward, but that's, that's a team that's a tough out if they're hitting. Yeah, they're playing at a, at a different level right now. And the thing about that is they have yet to make it out of the first round, or I should say the first weekend of the tournament since 1999, uh, which is just, just insane because they've been in the tournament a bunch in that time. And for them not to be able to make it out of the second round is, is kind of uh, mind boggling, but this team, I mean, even, I mean, their best team ever last year, at least on paper, their best team ever gets knocked out in the second round too. So I, I, I want to say that they have a chance to, to win that region, but their, their history under Fran and really not even just under Fran uh, in general, Steve Alford or otherwise, just isn't very good when it comes to tournaments. Yeah. Shout out Dean Oliver, by the way, for being on that Iowa team that actually made it out of the first weekend a long time ago. <laughs> All right. So you got, you're going with Kansas then. I'm oh, going excuse with me. Auburn. Excuse me. You're going with Auburn out of the, out of the Midwest. All right. Give me some, give me some of the other picks. So let's, let's go to the, what, what region do you think is the toughest? Oh man. Um, I think the South region is pretty freaking good. Yeah. Um, that I, I would have to say the South, like, Illinois is a four seed. Um, and obviously the Illini lost nine games this season, but that's a team that like Wisconsin want to share the big 10 regular season title. And they're a four seed and you've got Tennessee as the three Villanova as the two and Arizona as the one, which wildcats very well could win the national title, but you could say that about like three or four teams out of that bracket. I think that's probably the toughest in my mind. Houston's in there too, as a five seed. Yeah. I mean, you look at Tennessee who's playing as well as anybody in the country. They're, they're the three seed in there. They get Villanova who, uh, is coming off obviously a um, a Big East title. You mentioned the four seed in in uh, Illinois, and then the five seed of, in Houston. Like Houston, right. metrics wise, is a top ten team in the country, and they're a five seed in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, you're probably right that that uh, that is a tough tough region. And Arizona, is this the year that Arizona gets through that? Do you think, or who you got coming out of the South? I, I'm, I went super boring this year, largely because I just had to get my picks in by seven o'clock. Uh, I went other than Auburn. I just went chalk. I just picked all the ones, which almost never happens. But I, I really like Arizona uh, to come out of that. They're, they're playing great. So you went chalk. That means you have no Big Ten teams in the final four, despite having nine 
teams in the tournament, which I believe is the same number they had last year. That so, would be correct. So which Big Ten team makes the deepest run, do you think? Oh, geez. I, I, I'd like to say either Purdue or Wisconsin, uh, but Purdue's got to play, hypothetically, Kentucky uh, in a Sweet 16. So I, I, I don't know. One of those two? <laughs> Again, even though I already picked Auburn, <laughs> which would again, mean Wisconsin would lose. Yeah, again, if I had this, I mean, right, but I'm saying who who goes the deepest type of thing. So if they if, if they meet, they, that would be a Sweet 16 berth, right, for Wisconsin if they were going to end up playing Auburn. Yeah. I don't want to do it, but I'm, I would say Iowa at this point has a chance to make uh, an extremely deep run, and yep. I also and I also think uh, Purdue, despite losing the way that they did, can also make a run now they will they will be in milwaukee along with uh they play yale in the first round and then texas and virginia tech play that's the other pod that is in milwaukee and uh virginia tech only in the tournament because they went on a run and, and won the acc they've got a, a local product in uh, storm murphy who was at wofford and then came then went over to uh virginia tech and uh helped them win the uh, acc tournament title against a texas team that uh i think is probably going to be a right for an upset pick. Would you agree with that? I mean, they've got 11 losses. So I, I there's no great teams this year. So I, I, most of these teams, it's going to be a toss up. So who do you have? So you have three number ones in, in Auburn who got winning the national championship. I, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going Gonzaga. Uh, they, you know, they came so close last year, obviously they, they lost to Baylor in the national title game. So if that, if, if my picks hold up, then they would meet Baylor in the, in the national semifinal, but had a chance to be the first division one undefeated team in men's hoops since Indiana in 1976. And I feel like, okay, that, that part of the pressure is off, but they've got a lot of guys coming back. They're the number one overall seed. And with Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy, like that's a front court. You don't want to mess with. I, I just feel like even though, you know, they're the king of the mid majors, but they're not a mid major, I think to, to, most people who see them play and the teams they beat this year, I, I, I'm picking them. Oh, they're, they haven't been, in my mind, they haven't been a mid-major in quite some time, right? Like they, you call them the king of the mid-majors and that's fine, but they, I mean, they're an elite school. We kind of talked about oh, yes. this. We kind of talked about this earlier, like blue blood schools. They're part of the new blue bloods. Like they're not, they're never going to be considered like a, they're going to be in a conversation like with North Carolina or Kentucky or Kansas or anything like that. Those are the original blue bloods, but of, of the new schools that have, that have stepped up and are all of a sudden very good basketball schools, Gonzaga's at the top of that list. Like they, they can play with anybody. They recruit with anybody. They can certainly play with anybody. They just haven't been able to fully uh, finish it off by claiming a national title yet, but they are far from, in my mind, they're far from a mid-major anymore. Yeah. And, and, they beat Texas this year. They beat UCLA this year, lost to Duke by three points, uh, lost to Alabama, but then beat Texas Tech. So, yeah, they, they can beat anybody. And I, I, part of my rationale also was I, I thought back to Wisconsin's Final Four run they, where they made the Final Four and then had so much talent coming back and they took that next step. Now with Gonzaga, obviously it's coming off a, a national runner-up game, but like it's not the exact same team, but you've got guys who are a part of that, and I feel like that will help them this year. But – I mean, realistically, what what could you say? Six, eight teams could win this thing, maybe more. It's yeah. wide open. Well, here's the thing: like we talk about Gonzaga's mid-major, their league, the West Coast Conference, put three teams in this time, including yeah. two at large. And St. Mary's, Wisconsin, obviously beat them, and yeah, out in Maui, 
is a five seed. And for a team that did not win its conference tournament to be a five seed uh, out of a, out of small conference like that, I think really says something about them and, and says something about the conference in general. Gonzaga has dominated that conference, obviously, um, but they also have been pretty good against power five teams too. So again, uh, you never see, you did not call them a mid-major, but I, like, I just, I feel like the idea that, that anybody considers them a mid-major totally probably not accurate anymore. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that's fair to say. Um, right. Who do you got? I, uh, I'm going to take Kansas. Oh my God. You have no many, no idea how many years I did this and wound up <laughs> curled up in a fetal position to borrow a Barry Alvarez phrase. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I like Kansas. I think they're playing really well right now. I, I don't think it's going to be the, the chalk ones, though. I think Kansas, Kansas' tough game, toughest game may be, may be Iowa, um, the way that they're playing right now. And again, Iowa's probably going to fall flat on their face and, and make us all look stupid for even talking about them at this point because that's just what Iowa does. But the way that they played over the last few weeks and really pretty much the entire month of, well, largely the month of February, too, it's just it's t- it's tough. It's tough. Do you have any upset picks, like ones that uh, that stand out potentially that people aren't talking about, or people are talking about? Yeah, are you are you in on, on any of these potential uh, five twelve games or four thirteen games or even a fourteen three game? You know what's what's funny is I you know, we um, we talk about I, we as I just mentioned St. Mary's. Uh, I feel like uh, oh they, they will get one of the two playing teams, whether it's Wyoming or Indiana. I think that could potentially be. One of those upsets, uh, especially if it's Indiana, I, I think they are with with Trace Jackson Davis. The way that they're playing could potentially potentially pull that five twelve. Uh, of all the five twelves, I like that one perhaps uh, the most. UAB maybe against Houston with uh, what UAB has in the backcourt with Jelly, and um, I don't I, I don't think Richmond's going to upset Iowa, so I certainly would not pick that one, but. I don't know. I, I, there are a few ones here that, that stand out. I don't even like a seven ten. I don't even think that's much of an upset. But I could see Miami beating uh, USC. Miami made it all the way to uh, to the semifinals of the of the ACC tournament. I could see that. Loyal Chicago over Ohio State. I guarantee you, a ton of people are picking that the way that Ohio State finished the year and the way that Loyal Chicago has at times uh, in recent tournaments made some runs, uh, including to a Final Four a few years ago. I don't know. There, there are a, a, several potential upsets that I, that I could see coming. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, in the 10, seven realm, um, you know, I, again, I don't know how big of an upset anyone considers the 10, seven, but like, I really like Davidson <laughs> against Michigan state. I feel like that that's a Davidson team that won 15 straight games earlier in the season, even though, and I was watching that game on CBS, Davidson lost the, the Atlantic 10 championship came to Richmond, which is how the spiders got in. They've got, Foster They've lawyer. got a, a really good team. I mean, Foster, so, yeah, lawyer. Foster lawyer, the Michigan state transfer. He leads the team in scoring. He leads the country in free throw shooting is third in the country in three point shooting percentage. And then they've got the, the conference player of the year uh, and four guys who are scoring in double figures. So like, I think that's a team that, that could potentially make some noise with the, with the 11 seeds or the 12 seeds. I, I, I'm with you. I feel like if Indiana gets out of the play-in game, that that they keep on winning. I, we've seen that in recent seasons too. A team that just gets hot at the right time, and maybe that extra game winds up helping. There, there's always a 12-5 upset. Um, and in terms of like the 13s and the 14s, I, I I don't know. I mean, 
should we go with the, the fighting Lamont Parises against yeah. Illinois? And that would be massive. I don't, I don't know if I see that happening, but I don't either. Uh, but it's awesome stopped. that they're, it's awesome that they're in. It's awesome that Chattanooga's oh, yeah. in. And, and that got, I think of all the game of all the teams that were announced yesterday at, at union South, that was the second largest uh, applause came from Chattanooga uh, facing off with Illinois uh, because of Lamont. Uh, the biggest boos came uh, a few picks later when, uh, or a few re- revealings later when it was Colorado state facing Michigan. Um, <laughs> and, uh, there were some large boos there for Michigan. Of course. I'll give you one. Okay. One 13 or higher seat upset. I'm, I'm going to go with South Dakota state over Providence. Um, I, I really like teams and this maybe goes to what we've been talking about with a Colgate um, just teams that are used to having success. South Dakota state went 18 and 0 in the summit league. And you can scoff all you want about a summit league team, but there's only two teams that went undefeated in conference play this season. Murray state was the other out of the Ohio Valley conference. And, and I'm talking in the regular season and they just, they know how to win. They've got a 21 game winning streak. That's the longest active winning streak in division one. They've got the conference player of the year. They've got a lot of talent. And I think that like that is the type of team to me that even if you're a 13 or a 14, you can make some noise because you just understand what it means to win. And you've got veteran guys that are used to success. And also the only team in the country that is shooting the three pointer better than Colgate is the yep. South Dakota state Jackrabbits. They are shooting 40, nearly 45% from three point range. Pretty damn impressive. That's so I'll go with them. All right. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Well, we will be back uh, next Monday to talk about, potentially Wisconsin going to the sweet 16 or we'll be wrapping up the season and looking ahead to next year. And uh, a lot of changes probably on the horizon for Wisconsin as they will likely be losing Johnny Davis and uh, obviously losing Brad Davis and, and uh, Chris vote and perhaps some other guys to transfer. We'll see, but that's next week. We'll see if uh, we'll, we'll have to talk about that or we'll be looking ahead to a trip to Chicago for the Badgers. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks Zach. All right. You've been listening to the swing.